Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. It is Wednesday of the Northern Illinois week. The Huskers are trying to get the Colorado stank off of themselves. Uh, and we'll find out, I guess, on Saturday if they do. Gentlemen, what have you been hearing this week uh, as Nebraska tries to make some sense out of the Colorado collapse? Uh, I mean, they're saying all the right things. Um, you know, they, they're saying all this stuff that annoys people at this point. You can't, they can't say a word without, uh, fans getting mad, uh, because it's like, I just wish you would be a mime and not talk now is basically acted out on the field properly. And that's all I want from you. But that doesn't, there's also like the, the sect of people who want the answers as to why everything went wrong. And so then it's like, you can't shut up and play and prove it, but then also provide like, it's the the breakdown of all of that is is always sort of fascinating. Well, the bottom line is I don't think the talk has mattered, uh, decided anything to date, and I don't think it's going to decide anything moving ahead. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, you got to clean yourself up on some areas. And also um, there's, a, there's like a mental hang-up with this team. It's weird like, about finishing, you know, about just – when the team's sitting there waiting to the old mortal combat thing I used in writing this week, finish him is on the screen and it's like they step away from the controller. So um, how do you find that? That's like a sports psychology question. I don't know how to answer. I think it's just someone steps up and makes a dang play and then you feed off that and make one the next week. I don't know. So is there anything Brunts did, when you look back at that game after, you know, giving yourself some time, when you look at the box score, when you've talked with the players this week, that, that stands out that you might have missed uh, as the game was going on? Um, well, I mean, I when we last potted on Saturday, we kind of asked whether or not Nebraska was tired in the second half. And I think upon further review and based on what Nebraska said this week, I mean, I think that they were definitely gassed in that second half, especially on defense. Um, I mean, the coaching staff says that they felt like they took a step forward from week one to week two, and I I tend to agree on, on some areas, maybe not so on, on, on others. I think defensively they were much better uh, in that game for two and a half quarters, maybe a little bit more than that. But uh, you, you could tell the just kind of the, the, the combination of you know, being left out on the field, Nebraska's offense not being able to pick up a first down. I mean, that that, that had an effect. But I, I think you can take positives from that effort that they had. Offensively, that, that's the side of the ball that it, I, I, don't, I don't know if they got significantly better. I mean, they, they, got, they had some big chunk plays from Reese Washington, which kind of saved the day. But, um, you know, the, the four-minute offense or whatever you want to call it is still an issue. Um, running between the tackles is still an issue. And, you know, Troy Walters said today, I asked him, I said, you know, how would you assess your offensive line play through two games? And he said they've been average. He said the quarterback play has been average. He said the wide receiver play has been average. Running backs have been average. So uh, the average of all that is average uh, through two games for the offense. And I tend to agree with him. That checks out. I did the math. Yeah, the math. The <laughs> Average. It all holds. <laughs> all right. Um, I I really think when I look into those numbers and I look at how the defense played, look, 
I know everyone's going to look at the 24 points in the fourth quarter. I know the flea flicker play is going to stand out in people's minds. They played a hell of a ball game. They really did. I mean, they turned back Colorado multiple times. They gave their team every opportunity to win that game, even late in the overtime. Uh, special teams came up with a huge fumble. I mean, it just felt like between defense and special teams, they had really done their job. And then you look at that box score and, I mean, I know that what those numbers show for Steven Montez and what the numbers show in the fourth quarter, but really, they, they took Colorado out of their game. I mean, this is a team that ran for a lot more in their first week than they, they could against Nebraska. I think the run defense has been good. I think aside from a couple just horrific breakdowns like they had on the, the two deep balls, one the flea flicker, the other uh, just a miscommunication. I mean, otherwise, they took away a lot of the big plays from Colorado. I mean, you if you look at the you look past those two big throws, I mean Colorado really had to try to drive and earn some of that stuff. And then that third touchdown, um or well, fourth touchdown, the one to uh to Tony Brown was a, a perfect throw in a perfect spot and your your defensive back was there and just you weren't able to, to get away from it. I I know nobody wants to hear that, but I, I really actually think the defense mm. has played well through two weeks, and I think that's something Nebraska can hang its hat on. Uh, whereas last year, as they were going through their tumultuous start, neither side of the ball was playing particularly well. I think that defense is going to give them a real chance in the next two weeks, and then we'll see how they handle, obviously, when we get to that point. Somebody like Ohio State, but they're, they've made some real strides to me. I, I think that's pretty obvious through two weeks of football. Yeah, I mean, well, I think they've played well in seven of the eight quarters, pretty much. Um, all's not lost. Uh, if it felt that way right after, and probably for forty-eight hours to the fan base because they hate losing to Colorado, and it's like, can this team? This felt like Northwestern all over again from last year in these games where you have about a dozen ways you can win the game and you still find a way to lose. But if you go through the defense like you're talking about, just think about some individual players right now. Um, like Khalil Davis, go back and watch Khalil Davis. Like even in the fourth quarter of that game, maybe he's gas, but on the first drive of the last, their tying touchdown drive, you know, he, he busted up a jet sweep. That was an amazing play for a man, his size. And he's playing at a really high level. Alex Davis is actually playing sort of like he was talked up to be. That was not false talk about yeah. him. Uh, Colin Miller, I think, is the best middle linebacker to date, um, just where he's been off the field. Your corners are playing pretty well in Lamar and DiCaprio Boodle. And Cam Taylor Britt, he had the one play, and that's going to kill him. It's the one, it was the 96 yarder. Uh, but he also has about 10 or 12 plays you've already seen from him in the first two weeks where you're like, okay, that that's a young guy. You can build a lot of things around. So. You can name off six, seven, eight guys on defense, and you're like, wow, they're playing a pretty high level there. Um, and so are they just going to fall off a cliff now because they had a bad quarter? I don't necessarily think so. I think they'll probably play pretty well this week too. It's interesting. I, you're talking about just the you know, how well they actually played. I was just going through the stat cast again from that game. Nebraska didn't give up a chunk play of a pass of more than 15 yards or a – rush of more than 10 until the second half um which with the way offenses are nowadays i mean that's that's significant i mean the colorado got eight of them in the second half combined but i mean they they were really i mean in control of that game 
in, in that first half in a way that I can't really recall them doing against a, a power five opponent since what maybe the a, a decent opponent I guess maybe like the bowl game in 15 against UCLA I mean is that I don't know. Yeah. Like it just didn't feel like in that first half, like they were really ever in any kind of danger defensively. Well, didn't Travis Fisher said they played almost flawless inning in the yeah. first half. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. And they lost the game, and yep. how they lost it is incredible because of what we're saying. It's like you're in such control. How does how does this happen to a team where it feels like? I always use the Weezer red sweater analogy. Like you pull the thread, the whole sweater comes undone. Mm-hmm. And that's Husker football for like a decade. And it's that's why people are wanting to lock themselves in a dark room for five days after that game. Because it's just like, I thought we were past the sweater games, and they're not, you know? And that's discouraging. You a big Weezer guy? Oh, yeah. He's a big sweater guy. You know that. Yeah. Well, sweater vest guy. Yeah. It all works together. Does sweater like, vests unravel the same as sweaters? It, it's a good question. It's like offensive line playing quarterback play. They all feed off each other, Weezer and loving sweaters. Do we – I mean, I know there's a, a segment of our listenership that wants to know if there's going to be a, a sweater vest sighting at some point this year. Do we need to come up with some sort of bet? Um, yeah, we, we should come up with one by next week, and maybe it revolves around – some bet with Husker football, like what their record is by the first bye week or something. Okay. We'll come up with something. All right. I like that. Are you – you, you, That's fine. You could just wear the sweater anyways. I mean, I, I think that would be equally I mean, as popular did, with the listeners. I did look pretty dapper, I think. You, you did. That photo just catching you with the morning light as you're standing yeah. in the press box. Catching that pale face. Yeah. <laughs> the sun like <laughs> – Kenny Rogers roasters. at 8 a.m. Yeah. Rough. This is wonderful. Let's do it again. Yeah, let's this recreate that. It is absolutely that. wonderful. What uh, What are you guys looking for as Nebraska moves from this game? Like, where where do you expect to see tangible progress on Saturday as they take on Northern Illinois? Well, Northern Illinois is a their defense is they're going to make plays and, and there's going to be some tackles for loss on. Saturday like they're they're gonna they're gonna get home on a blitz or two and the the flip side of that is can Nebraska exploit a guy being aggressive and being out of his rush lane or can they you know break a break a tackle and make big plays I mean that we've talked about the offensive struggles this year and you know Nebraska's really struggling on first down they're not we haven't seen tempo um, that we had heard about in fall camp, and that's been the hallmark of this offense. Um, can they can they create the types of plays that will allow them to use tempo without putting their defense at risk? I think that's what I'm what I'm considering progress in this game is if Nebraska is able to take advantage of Northern Illinois' mistakes because I, I think that. Again, there's going to be some moments where, based on how Northern Illinois plays defense. And Sutton Smith can't hurt you anymore, by the way. Um, uh, he still could. Not now. Not not on Saturday. No. But if you happen to come across highlights of a 2017 game. I don't know why you would. Um, masochist out there? Just watching Taylor Tanner Lee just drill Divina Zigbo in the helmet. Um, 
but I, I think that that to me is is you know can Nebraska scheme it and take advantage with their playmakers of Northern Illinois' aggressiveness because I think that's going to be a big key for the offense on Saturday. It's captain obvious talk to say oh it's important to get that first first down when of course it is mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean but when you talk about this offense there's more to it than that it's it's about and I think what's really frustrating this coaching staff right now, because you and it's not you don't even have to read between the lines, is they're not getting that on that first two or three plays of a drive. They're not often enough getting that like 15 yard play or whatever it is where like Wandale gets a ball and makes a guy miss and he gets like 17 yards, and then you have that drive. You're playing that drive on your terms basically the way this offense operates because the defense then they can't sub necessarily how they want to. They get gassed. They can't communicate well. And really you just take advantage. In some ways you don't even have to be that polished offensively once you get it going because the defense is so unpolished. You know what I mean? Cause they're just like confused and out of position and all that stuff. And they haven't been able to get to that point. So defenses are being allowed to set up and, really control the terms of the drive and I think that's been the biggest problem the first two weeks I do not think Adrian played as bad as some people think his coaches don't think that Mario Verduzco thought he played a good game Saturday Um, he had a great first half actually he was nine of nine for 180 and uh, ran the ball pretty well obviously Uh, so I don't think it's like Adrian forgot how to play football or anything like that but there there's just some chemistry that is missing there and it's it's like he's got it with Spielman and maybe a little bit with Wandale it's happening but he hasn't found it yet with the tight ends necessarily and he hasn't found it with Conovai Noah who's playing a whole lot Troy uh, Walter Troy Walter talked about that a little bit today and, and I mean if, if you break down the snaps and who played I mean it's was basically just those three starters I think Javon McQuitty got in for a few snaps. You saw one snap from Miles Jones. I mean, it's been really limited after, you know, the talk all of fall camp from the coaching staff was we've got this deep group of guys that we feel uh, can help us. Troy Walter said it's on him for not getting those guys rotated in. Cade Warner's getting closer to coming back, which would be they need him. another guy that I they need. But you know, just – Across the board on offense, I've been surprised at how few of those playmakers we've that, that they say they have on the roster that we've seen. Ramir Johnson would be a guy that I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of uh, or at all this season. Um, and to go back to your point about first downs, that game's interesting because you look at the stats and you say, okay, well, Nebraska ran for about five yards uh, when they ran it on first down. It's a bit skewed. They had a there was a forty yard run by Maurice Washington in there that, that made those numbers look a lot better. But they're basically averaging right around three yards a carry on first down, and you, you just you, you can't expect to get into rhythm doing that um, consistently over a game. You, you need uh, you know the six, seven, eight yard carries on first down that get you going right. Yeah, and it shows. It showed up in that third quarter, I think, when mm-hmm. the, that eleven-minute span where nothing happened, and it allowed Colorado to think, "Hey, if we could get the next score or make a play, we can win this thing." And Nebraska had what three possessions, maybe? Yeah, I think they had three possessions, and there was just nothing, like no inside run or anything they could 
you didn't feel like they could hang their hat on anything necessarily aside from Maurice Washington outrunning people. All right, we are going to step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll hit on a little bit more uh, Nebraska football, kind of various players we've maybe expected to see more from that we haven't thus far, uh, recruiting, what the, the Huskers can expect going forward, and then maybe a little bit more northern Illinois, and I think we still have the wheel, right? The wheel's here. All right. Well, we'll bust Pregnant with wheel. possibilities. <laughs> well, that's exciting. <laughs> I know you won't want to miss that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. All right, Brian, give the wheel a spin. Whoa! Oh, look at it go. Look at it go. Man, man, this is, this is amazing. Did we spin the wheel last week? We didn't, did we? Yeah, I think we did. Did we? Yeah. I, I think we've been pretty consistent with the wheel as of late. Is there right. like a fall camp question on there still? Yeah, the, we do have a... The wheel's a little outdated, <laughs> you could say. Wheel needed new topics. Uh, but there is a question that I guess you can still uh, weigh in on because it's early in the season. At one point, the wheel wondered... Yeah. Back when this season could possibly go 14 and 0 or 15 and 0, uh, they wondered who are the top three rushing leaders for NU in 2019, and what do those numbers look like? So you could get a little. We could take that and get a little bit into the uh, the run game here. What what are the st- what do the stats look like right now? I got to pull them up. Like who's got how many yards? Well, nobody's run for a hundred yet. Maurice. So are we feeling pretty confident nobody's going to get to a thousand? Yeah, I. <laughs> nobody's going for fifteen hundred. That was one of my uh, bold predictions. It doesn't even look particularly bold now. Two weeks in, that nobody would get a thousand yards because I thought it'd be pretty spread out. I didn't think they'd have as much problems running the ball as they have had. Uh, but you know, it's still early. I. I expect, I mean, while we're talking about the run game, one of the things Ryan Held talked about, one of the things Dedrick Mills talked about this week is that he is not seeing things quick enough as he's out there on the field. And some of that is just adjusting to the speed of going from junior college to uh, the level of FBS. Some of it, and, and Held talked about this, is just, familiarity with the offense and and how everything is supposed to line up and work that when Colorado would show an odd front and then switch into an even front Mills wasn't adapting to what the offensive line's blocking scheme would change Mm -hmm. and so he wouldn't hit the spot that he needed to be in and so to 
to held, there's going to be some real improvement, specifically with Mills, because he's eventually going to have that stuff down. He doesn't have it completely there yet, and it's caused him to miss some things. Uh, Mills himself had said there's at least two cutbacks that happened that should have happened in the Colorado game if he was reading his blocking correct that could have been big gains. Uh, so he, I, I think it's important to note that these guys are at least able to self-diagnose some of these issues. Uh, and Helb seems pretty confident that they're going to move past it. But as he said last year, I mean, it took Nebraska a little bit mm-hmm. before they were able to start running the way that they were until the end of the season. We're, yeah. st- we're still, what, two games away from when Divino Zigbo was starting? I mean, yeah. he was, what, game four? So I, I think that's at least important to note if you're if you're all the way out on Mills, which there seems to be a lot more people uh, that are in that category than I think should be. But they know where there are issues and they know where there are things that are going to improve. And I, I think this version of Mills is going to be a lot different than what you see in October and November. I think Mills is a type of player who can be a fine back if he gets some decent blocking. Um, but I don't think he's necessarily received that to date. Like I, right. They ran a nice little pass play to him uh, where he, he had got a 20 the ball yard. in open mm-hmm. field. And I thought, you know, yeah, he had a lot of space, but he Got, got moving and he put his head down and I you know it's not like he hasn't done anything right out there but here's what the numbers look like so far uh Maurice Washington is the leader in the clubhouse with 116 yards on 21 carries so he's averaging five and a half a t- a carry aided by that 40 yard run of course but that's part of it um Adrian Martinez his numbers look different. He's actually gained 128 yards, but he's lost 56, so he's at 72 for a net. Uh, but positive yards when you take away. I always forget in the college they take the sacks into account, right? Yep. Which is kind of – I think it's kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's at 128 positive yards, uh, 72 net. Diedrich Mills so far just 68 yards on 23 carries. Wandale has 30 yards, and after that, White Missouri 12 Spielman eight. There you go. So, so who are we thinking that there's going to be somebody in the top three that's not Washington, Martinez, or Mills? Uh, possibly. Who? Um, I wonder. What was the word today on Wyatt Missouri? What did, uh, what so did Held, Held say about it? Held basically said that he, um, that both he and Ramirez been working well at practice that they didn't necessarily get them into the game Saturday or use them enough Saturday, but they, they've done what they've needed to do. I asked right about him because I leave open a sliver in my mind that he could be a guy who helps save this a little bit, like he gets going kind of, and it's mm-hmm. one of those fun stories midseason, the senior local boy who finally gets his chance and takes off with it. I haven't closed the door on that storyline, and I wonder – I think the next two weeks, you know, it kind of it's going to settle this question. It's going to be like, okay, Diedrich, you're going to either take this by the horns and show that you're more than some people think you are, or somebody else like Wyatt Mazur or Ramir Johnson is going to have to step into that role. It's as simple as that. That's, I mean, that's why I've been a little – I mean, it, it sounded to me like we were going to see Ramir Johnson against Colorado. Um based on what Ryan Held had kind of said going into that week. I mean, if you're not – it feels like to me that if, you know, you're getting 
Maurice Washington on the edge is basically what you're able to hang your hat on right now, it would make sense to at least give Johnson a shot to see if he brings something a little bit different there. Maybe he won't, but, I mean, why not? I mean, at this point, it's like, what what do you really have to lose? Well, it's, it's interesting to me because last year it felt like these guys were pretty brazen in how quickly they were getting people out there to play. And this year it feels a little bit more conservative in who they put out mm-hmm. in terms of all of the talk of the, the guys that could help them. You haven't seen a whole lot of freshmen out there playing. And I, I don't know, it's, it's notable to me if that's some sort of strategy in terms of milking that four-game thing, um, if they're just honestly not where they need to be, if they, they feel like they have more depth with guys that are performing at a capable level. But there was no better opportunity to get Ramir Johnson work than when you're up 17 nothing in multiple drives in the second half. Right. And so I, at some point, you know, it's the same thing with Troy Walters and the receivers. Like, at some point, these guys that are performing well at practice are going to get reps in the games or they're not. Like, it's I, – I, I'm curious when we're going to get to these reps or when we're going to get to these changes. Because it doesn't feel like Nebraska is going to have a lot of blowout games that they're going to be able to flood the bench. Well, I'm standing here holding all this Darian Chase stock like an idiot. Well, you can can't. tell me what to do with the Deontay Williams stock that I bought up. <laughs> just file that away, I think. A lot I think. of Austin Allen stock, too. Yeah. <laughs> He's been on the field. Yeah, but I, 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 want, I want him to bust into yeah. that Apple stock. That's another thing. I mean, I, you, you talk about what the tight ends can do in your offense. You show with that pop play. Jack Stoll has three catches in the first game. Then he has two catches for four yards. Austin Allen doesn't have a target yet. Like, I just – the passing game has been somewhat puzzling to me as to what they're doing and the rotation with things. I guess I, it just hasn't had any fluidity. It hasn't felt like they've accomplished some things with it. I don't know. It's just well, been a weird it, two weeks. It kind of brings it. We didn't really get into this, but I think we should address it. The the overtime because there. I mean, there was so much riding on what Nebraska. We were talking about this in the car ride. What are the, what's their overtime drought here? They haven't scored on a play and or haven't scored in overtime since 2014, despite playing in a game every year since then. They, they lost five overtimes. They lost 2015 to Miami, 2016 to Wisconsin, 2017 to Northwestern, 2018 to Northwestern, 2019 to Colorado, and at least three of those they didn't have positive offensive yards. They went negative. They went yeah. negative. Uh, well, Iowa. Huh? Iowa last year too, right? No, that was regular. That was their regular season walk off. Oh yeah, that's right. Fourth and eight. Yep. Was that the last game that they won in overtime? Was when they they beat Iowa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Bo's last win. <laughs> I just think on the, the curse p- of Polini. That's one way to look at it. Didn't you sort of think when Martinez trotted out there and it, they for all that had gone wrong, you're like, okay, they just need 25 yards. I thought they were going to win. I legitimately thought they were going to run uh, like a quarterback keeper. He'd get a fair amount of yards. They'd they'd be able to move the ball. Colorado would have all the pressure. You know, I thought somebody would make a play, and this offense that has had success in that game was just going to need one play in which they'd be able to go down and score. And after the first play, it was like, all right, well, that didn't look very good. That was what stunned me is that they didn't run Martinez, who Colorado did not want to tackle. Right. (laughs) I mean, that touchdown he had in the fourth quarter, he just ran through a bunch of guys. On fourth down, yeah. It was all Tebow style. 
and I feel like spread the field on first down, and you you're hard pressed to think they wouldn't get at least like four or five yards on first down. You know, I'm not saying he would have busted it into the end zone or anything, but you're at least working like second and five or second and six then, and you're feeling like okay, you got some things to play with, or else I like the play they ran the last drive of regulation to start it off. They got Martinez rolling right, gave him space. He had a nice little pitch and catch to Spielman. It feels like in a – I know the field is condensed when you're on the 25, but it's not so condensed because the defense is also thinking – like those cornerbacks are like, oh, my God, I can't get beat deep here. And so you take – you run Spielman out, get yourself seven or eight yards when the guy's playing off you. All easier said than done, I understand, but – it's always such a groan-worthy moment when you have a couple of runs and they just go nowhere. You feel like nothing was attempted sometimes. Yeah. No, I mean, it's the the point you make about not running them in, in overtime, I was, I was, that was a head-scratcher for me. You know what was – I didn't realize it until I watched it back. There was almost a – Montez on the second down play in overtime, two plays before the kick – Cam Taylor Britt had it covered really well, and Montez threw it away. And you can tell at the last moment, Montez thought wisely enough like to float that ball. Mm-hmm. There was like a split half second where he, where Taylor Britt was trying to bait him into throwing a, trying to squeeze it in there, and it would have been a, it would have been a pick six like defensive. <laughs> it would have been like the ultimate Nebraska Colorado. The real like, walk off. This is freaking wild, you know. Yeah. But. Uh, of course, that didn't happen because that happen. stuff doesn't happen in Nebraska no. lately. <laughs> it does not. It uh, it does not. All right. Um, I've got a question for you guys because I, I have one specific player in mind. Has there been someone besides Adrian Martinez that you've been surprised by how slow the start of their 2019 season has been? The guy that I will use is Mo Berry, who you really, I mean – for as visible as Will Honus and Colin Miller were against Colorado, I can't think of much that Mo Berry had done in that game. And they, for a senior captain, for one of your better defensive players, for, for one of your leaders, I mean, you kind of needed more from Mo Berry than what you got at Colorado. Um, and I'm, I'm surprised that he wasn't more visible, that he wasn't more active, that he wasn't, you know, a, a known name. Think of all of the defensive players that you would talk about in a game against Colorado before you'd get to Mo Berry's name even coming up. Mm-hmm. Like, it it was kind of startling. And he yeah, he played fine against South Alabama. I think he had a sack and was involved. But, I mean, that's, that's one of your guys. Like, you really sort of need him to jump off the stat sheet in a game like that against Colorado. Yeah. You got one, Browns? I was I was looking back to see how many times he was targeted in the first game, but uh, I I understand that sometimes graduate transfers don't don't usually pan out as well as a lot of people assume that they will at, at certain positions. Like I've been surprised at how little like Canavai Noah has even you know been mentioned. I mean he's uh, he had the one in the in the first game where it was like in the back of the end zone, but he didn't get the foot down. He was targeted once at the end of this game. He had a nice block on Maurice Washington's long run. But beyond that, I mean, for a guy that's 
you know, played a lot of snaps in college, um, has played a lot of snaps through two games. Uh, it, I mean, it, it, he's been largely absent, um, and, and that's been interesting. I mean, it, was it 13 of the 14 catches by wide receivers have gone to Wondell Robinson or J.D. Spielman right now? So, I mean, you could say him or basically anybody in that wide receiver core other than those two guys that I named, but he's the one that I've been surprised that uh, they haven't tried to do more to get him open. Yeah, it didn't feel like they tried, or he wasn't hardly targeted at all, and then bizarrely, right, like at the very end, right. twice on that final regulation drive, they tried to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you, honestly, that's where you miss a guy like Stanley. Because yep. uh, you... I was thinking that as I watched it, like Stanley's the perfect guy. Like here's a 50, 50 ball. Let's see your guy try to get it over Morgan on a play like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a special knack for that, but uh, that's a good one. Um, I think Darian Daniels has played okay, but not jump jumped out at me. Uh, when you talk about the D lineman, like other guys have been far more uh, noticeable. I think Khalil Davis has played really well. Um, so I'd say maybe Darian a little bit falls into that category. And then I think you could pick anybody on the O-line, um, really. I think, you know, Greg Austin was pretty frank today. They're not getting it done to his standard. And you've got some guys. I'm not just talking about the center snaps. Those were better this week. I'm talking about guys like Hymas and Farniok and Wilson. They got to they gotta rise up right now. That Bo Wilson block, man. They took him out of that drive. Oh yeah, that was a. It was one of those things I I didn't think about um, as much as it happened, and then when I was going back through sort of the drive chart of that in that second half, I mean it that kind of erased a drive where it felt like they had a little bit going. It's all those little things. You watch the game when it's happening live, and when that play happens, I always think to myself that that can't cost them, right? I mean they're up seventeen. It's not going to be, and yet so many times through the last five years or whatever. It has, and right there was a chance for the put-away. That was actually a drive where they had rhythm. Yeah. And we're on the 41. Yeah, like I said, I'd kind of forgotten about that. It's one of those hidden things in there that it sucked out the energy from that drive, put them in too far of a spot, and they had to punt. Think of how many times Nebraska in recent years has had the ball maybe like on the other team's 40 or 35, and there's been a block like that or a holding and it's completely – it feels like it's been on right about that part of the yeah. field so many times. You want a game where that happened at least felt like 20 times on the same drive? Yeah. Wisconsin last year. It just felt like they were at the 35 going into score before half and continually just penalty, penalty, penalty. Erased plays from, like, Maurice Washington. It erased a couple throws. It set them further back. I mean, they – you're right. It does feel like the, the tendency of the mistakes seem to crop up. When you're sitting on the other side of the the fifty, uh, let's let's get into a little bit of recruiting here, and then we will uh, we'll send the folks home. Um, Nebraska does have some official visitors coming in this weekend. Uh, one of them, Henry Gray, a four-star defensive back from Miami Central, out of Miami, Florida. Nebraska really likes this kid, six foot, one hundred and seventy pounds. Uh, look, right now, I mean. You can show off pretty well what you've been doing with your your DBs. I think that Travis Fisher and and those guys do a nice job recruiting them. He's actually kind of interesting in the sense that a lot of what Travis Fisher recruits are usually a little bit more raw than than gray and and a little bit bigger. 
um, in terms of, of overall size. But this is a kid that they, I think, really like. They're looking for three peer corners in the class. Lyman, Lynam is one of them. Um, and then they'll, they'll take probably one, maybe two safeties pending numbers. So uh, if, if Henry Gray is, is somebody they can really build that interest off of, I, I certainly think they would have – uh, a good shot there. He's got a lot of offers, Florida, Michigan, Texas A&M sitting on his profile right now. He's got the Miami offer. He's got Alabama. He's got 27 or more listed from his profile. Uh, so he's certainly going to be an interesting person. And then just uh, got the confirmation. This name is going to be a little bit difficult to pronounce, so stick with me on it. Uh, Tuli, Tui. Pululotu, I give up. This is oh, this is my coming. life now. He's coming. Yeah, he's Ooh. coming. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Tuli, who's a six foot three, two hundred sixty six pound defensive end, has a great relationship with Tony Tuioti. Has been recruited, was recruited to Cal. Who, by the way, Cal's defense is legit. Um, there, it's Tui Pulotu. Tuli, Tui Pulotu. I think it's the the combination of the Thule. So if you just avoid the first name, Brum said it Pulotu. like his last name was Smith. <laughs> Tui Pulotu. <laughs> yeah, now say it all together. Tui Tuli Pulotu. Yeah, see, it's not so easy. <laughs> Smart ass. Uh, so Nebraska, I think, actually has a, a pretty good shot here. I know in the one of our VIP chats, somebody asked who I thought the next commitment would be for 2020, and this is a guy that I listed. Thule. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, he's uh, he's not necessarily going to make a quick decision, but he's got a good relationship with the staff. He's got a brother that is at USC, but it doesn't seem like the Trojans are as heavy there. And from talking with, with Huffman, who was on the recruiting hour, and just other chats with him, seems like he's looking to get a, maybe away from the West Coast, do something a little bit different. So if he has a good time this weekend – uh, I could see where Nebraska could move pretty quick here, and he would give them their second defensive lineman along with Nash Hutmacher. So those are the two official visitors that are confirmed at the moment. Uh, another guy to keep an eye on, Ryan Keeler, a 2021 defensive lineman. I'll have a story up on him either Wednesday or Thursday. He's says he's basically talked with Nebraska about every day since he came out here for the barbecue in June. Um, the Huskers would love to pair him with R.J. Sorensen, the other defensive lineman that they got a commitment from in 2021, have those guys be their two bookends. Uh, they're they're pretty excited about him, and they've done a nice job recruiting him. So he's looking forward to seeing a game uh, and just being around the stadium. So they'll have some other guys in as well. And this should be a, a better recruiting weekend than what they had for the first game against South Alabama. But all of it, I mean, that, that Ohio State weekend, I was – talking with some people around the program. I mean, that's if that time is what is expected and maybe was leaked a little bit early with it being an evening game, there's going to be a lot of people in for that one. So recruiting is, is likely going to, to pick up in terms of visitors and, and some chatter here over the next couple of weeks. But we'll have all of the recaps and reactions on Husker 24-7. We will have stories coming out of the Northern Illinois game. Don't forget to listen to the Hypecast that will drop on Friday. Uh, to get you hyped for Nebraska's contest against Northern Illinois on Saturday. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? How about we just uh, use the hype cast and recall, 
you know, our favorite memories from the 2017 matchup with Northern Illinois. Um, or is that the opposite of hype? I think we can. I think we can do that. Okay. Uh, I'm very excited to see what your favorite memories are going to be from that. Yes. I, I know what mine is. So. Okay. BC, any any final thoughts? Any final no, words? No, I'm I'm blank up here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you heard it from him. All right, we will catch you next week with Husker 24-7.